The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Matthew chapter 28. We're in a series right now called Ship Shape. Somebody say Ship Shape. And what we're doing is we're looking at these, these ships, these words that have ship in them uh, that, that shape our life as Christians and that shape who we are as a church. If you remember in the first week of the series, I talked about how the church is kind of like a big sailboat and that we have these seven sails, these seven ships that we raise. And when we raise them, it empowers us to capture the power of God, the breath of God, the wind of God to help move us ahead in the call of God for our lives as Christians and for us as a church. And so we started off the series talking about uh, citizenship, that we are citizens of heaven. When we make Jesus the Lord of our life, we step into citizenship with heaven. And our job now as Christians is to help other people step into this citizenship, to help to them to, to walk with God. So we as a church are about reaching the lost. We're about reaching those who are away from the Lord and helping welcome them into the family of God. Uh, last week, my wife Sarah did a wonderful job talking about the ship of worship. And that worship, she said, is more than just a moment we have in a service. It's more than just a Spotify playlist that we play throughout the week. Worship is how we live our life. It is kingship expressed. It's us putting Jesus, putting God on the throne of our heart and walking in obedience to who he says to be and what he says to do. And so today, I'm going to take you a step further, kind of building off of where we've already gone. In fact, if you haven't listened to if you missed one of those first two messages, I want to really encourage you, make sure you go back and check those out because we're building on this as we go. Today, I want to talk to you about discipleship. Somebody say discipleship. discipleship. We're going to talk about the call of God on our life to be disciples and to make disciples. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. God, we celebrate what you're doing in this house, what you're doing in our lives God, I am grateful. I am grateful for this place. I'm so grateful. So It's, it's so amazing to see what you're doing here. We say right now uh, that we want to hear from you. And we know that you're here because your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. And we have praised you and glorified you and lifted your name up. So we know you're here. And we ask you to speak to us today. We, we recognize that you are the author of Scripture, that it's your word. And so we ask you to, to speak to us through it today. Help us to see it the right way. We pray that we would leave today changed better than how we came in. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 28. Let me set the stage for you here. Jesus has died on the cross at this point. He has been resurrected. And now he is getting ready to ascend into heaven. He's been here for 33 years in a physical body, but now he's going to leave. And he'll still be with us, but he's, he's leaving and he's giving us, the church, his assignment. We call it the Great Commission. Matthew 28, starting verse 19, he says, go. Somebody say, go. go. Say it like you mean it, go. go. Notice right from the get-go, there's an action. There's, there's movement. There's a doing. Go. Go and make disciples. If you have a physical Bible with you, I want you to underline make disciples. I want you to circle it. I want you to highlight it. Put stars around it. I want you to make a point to put make make to to make 
to make. Make disciples stand out in your notes right now because this is what needs to stand out in this group, in this, uh, in this section of text. Make disciples of all nations. That's what we want to do as a church. That's what we're called to do. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And notice this last part. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is leaving, but he says, I'm with you always. And this is why this is a commission. It's not just a mission. It's a co-mission. It's a mission that we are on with Jesus with God. He's going to be with us. He's going to be empowering us. He wants to equip us. He doesn't want us. He didn't, he didn't come here, die on the cross, and leave us with just a lifeboat to try to survive on. He jumped in and he stays with us throughout this process. But he says this, the great mandate is to go and make disciples. And this is central. This is core. This is what it's all about. As a church, as a people, we are called to be disciples and to make disciples. That's the call of God that's been placed on our life. You know, it's interesting. We look at a group of, this group of texts here, these verses, and when we look at it from an English perspective, there's a lot of verbs in the sentence. There's, there's go, there's baptize, uh, there's teach. But in the original Greek, there's only one verb, and that is make disciples. All the other words that we would call verbs are actually participles, which means that they're extensions of the verb. They're applications of the verb. But what I want you to see is the central verb of the Great Commission is make disciples. That's the main thing. And we're supposed to keep the main thing the main thing. You ever heard that before? So in everything that we do as a church... Making disciples is at the core of it. It's at the heart of it. It's what we're really pursuing. It's what we're really going after to make disciples. Now, here's the problem that we can run into when it comes to this mandate of Jesus Christ. Is a lot of us, many of us, don't really understand what a disciple is. You know, disciple is one of those words that in the church world you hear it. But you step outside of the church and disciple is not like a normal word that is normally used, right? You don't hear disciple outside of the church world very much. In fact, one of the ways I know this is as I was preparing this message this week, every time I would type disciple in on my Apple computer, it would try to autocorrect it to the word discipline. So obviously, Steve Jobs didn't get it, okay? And in the world that we live in today, like, people don't really understand what it means to be a disciple. But I also think that that's trickled into the church world as well. Yeah. I think that the big C church is a little bit off. And a lot of people who are, who are going to church are a little bit off when it comes to being a disciple. We think that being a disciple is nothing much more than being a churchgoer. Being a person who once lifted our hand in a church service. And I think the church... If I'm being totally honest with you, the big C church, I'm not talking about New Song Church because we're sure not trying to do that. I think a lot of churches, we kind of do a lot that kind of helps perpetuate that myth because we, we want the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is good news, but we want to make it as convenient as possible to the world around us because the world likes convenience, doesn't it? And, and so in an effort to do that, in an effort to grow our numbers, in an effort to get people to lift their hands and, and have what we call converts, we've watered down the message and, and, and because of it, we've created an understanding when it comes to discipleship that seems to be a false narrative. See, believing in Jesus doesn't make you a disciple. Just so you know, the devil believes in Jesus, and he's not a disciple. 
The Bible says in James that the demons believe in God and tremble at his name, but they're not disciples, are they? They're not followers of Jesus Christ. What are they? They're just, they're just believe the reality of what is true, what cannot be denied. God is God and Jesus is his son and he brought salvation to the world. They're just logical tellers of the truth. But just simply believing in Jesus doesn't make you a disciple. Following Jesus with everything you have, that's what makes you a disciple. When Jesus invited that ragtag group of guys 2,000 years ago to be his disciples originally, he didn't say to them, hey, hey, acknowledge I exist. That's not what he said. What did he say? Two words. He said, hey, follow me. Follow me. And when he invited them to follow him, he was inviting them to live a new radical life, to leave behind their old life and to step into a new life with him. If you're taking notes, let me give you a definition of what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is one who finds, follows, and becomes fully formed to be like Jesus. A disciple is one who finds, follows, and becomes fully formed. Notice those words. To be like Jesus. That's the goal. Now, in, in, in first century Israel, when Jesus came on the scene and, 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 and this idea of discipleship, when that was taking place, people of that day really understood you know, what this meant because that word disciple in the Hebrew was this word Talmud. And Talmud was very much a part of the, the norm of, of people's everyday life. See, in, in Bible times, young Jewish boys, they didn't want to be LeBron James. They didn't want to be Tom Brady. They wanted to be rabbis. That was the goal. You looked up to them like you were, you know, trading your Yachanan card for the Yehuda card with the other kids. And you wanted to wear the Gamale jersey. And that, that was like the goal, like rabbis. That you want to be a rabbi. You guys tracking with me this morning? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? A little Yiddish for you this morning. But, but you wanted to be a rabbi. And so these boys at a very young age, like they looked up to rabbis. Rabbis were like the heroes of the day. They were like the ones that you wanted to be. They were the best of the best, and you wanted to be the best of the best. So these young boys at a very early age would begin to study the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And the goal, check this out, the goal was to, at a very young age, have it memorized. Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Take a look at that section of Scripture. <laughs> Memorized. Like that's some heavy lifting. But these boys would do it. They would train in this and learn to, at a very young age. In fact, when they were just little, they would take uh, pieces of text from the Scripture and they would read it to these little babies and they would put honey on their lips and they would talk about how the Word is sweet like honey and they were training them to love the Torah. And so they wanted to get it into their bones. They wanted to know it. And what would happen is when these young Jewish boys would, would see a rabbi that he looked up to, one that was his hero, he loved the way that that rabbi explained the text and, and where he was taking it. And so he would go and he would sit. And once he was ready, he would go and he would sit at the feet of that rabbi. And when he did that, what he was doing was he was applying to be a Talmud of that rabbi. He was applying to be a disciple. And so now this rabbi would begin to examine this boy, and there'd be a bunch of them. He would examine him. He would ask him questions about the, about the Torah. He would ask him questions about God. 
He would study his family. He would look at them, and then he would make his selections. And most boys were rejected. There's only a few that would be selected. And the boys that were rejected, they would go back to the trade of their family and hope that one day they would have a son who would be selected. But to those few who were selected, the rabbi would say, hey, you, follow me. Follow me. And in that moment, he was inviting them to leave behind their family, to leave behind everything, and to become a disciple of the rabbi, to follow him closely, to learn his ways. But beyond just learning what he taught, to learn to be like him, to mimic him and follow him closely. In fact, a great compliment to these little Hebrew boys that were following these rabbis was to say to them, hey, the dust of your rabbi is all over you. By saying that, you weren't saying, hey, dude, you're dirty, you need to go take a shower. You're saying, hey, you're following your rabbi so closely that as he walks those dirty streets, the dust that kicks up off of him is getting all over you. I can tell you follow your rabbi closely. Okay, so get this. Jesus, who was a rabbi, the Bible makes that very clear, goes to this group of ragtag guys, and he says to them, follow me. And when he says this to them, understand, these are all boys who at one point were rejected. These are all boys who at one point sat at the feet of a rabbi and wanted to be trained, and they were told, you're not good enough. But Jesus looks at them in this moment and says, hey, you're good enough. Not because you're good enough, because I'm good enough. So come and follow me. And you with me, we're going to change the world. We're going to do something that changes everything. And I want you to know something this morning. The same call that Jesus gave to that group of guys that became the original disciples, he places before you today. He says to you today, follow me. Be my disciple. And he wants you to follow him so closely, not to just learn what he did and what he knew, but to actually get to the point where you're living like he lived and carrying on his ministry into this world, following him so closely that the residue of his presence is getting all over you and the world sees it on you and says, that person is a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Listen, Jesus is not looking for cheerleaders. He doesn't need you to sit on the sideline and say, I acknowledge he's ex- he exists. He's over there. He's, he exists. He didn't need that. He's looking for people who have a radical devotion to his call. People who are willing to chase after him and go after him with everything they've got. You know what made the disciples, the original disciples, the disciples? It wasn't that they were special. It's that they were willing to follow. They were willing to say, I'm coming after you with everything I've got, Jesus. I'm going to be your disciple. And I want you to know, I want to be very clear this morning. The call to be a disciple is not one that says everything is going to be perfect from this day forward. It's not. And and I think it's that myth that has caused so many people to fall away. When we preach a gospel that says, make Jesus the Lord of your life and everything's going to be perfect, is it no wonder that people fall away when it's not perfect? Because how many of you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus told us that. That's one of the promises of Jesus. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But he says, take heart. Because I've overcome. And you can overcome with him. But you will have to face stuff. You will be asked to stand. And you will be asked, listen, to die. To die to some stuff. 
to die to some of the ways of this world because the ways of this world lead to death. During World War II, uh, as Nazi Germany was beginning to rise up and kind of become what it became with Hitler and all the, the Nazis, there was a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you've never kind of studied the life of him, I would encourage you to do so. He's an incredible man who stood for being a disciple in a very difficult time. And when Germany was moving into taking over everything, and, and, and even in the church world, they were replacing the hymnals with German hymnals, and Christian flags were being lowered, and Nazi flags were being raised, and people were pledging allegiance to the Fuhrer over the Lamb of God. Dietrich stood up and said, no, this is wrong. And because of it, he was thrown into a concentration camp. And a month before the end of World War II, he was actually killed. But he wrote a book, a really great book, called The Cost of Discipleship. And in it, he made a quote that I think you need to recognize this morning. He says, when Christ bids a man come, he bids him come and die. Come and die. Now, listen, I, I want to be clear. The call of Jesus to be a disciple is not some sadistic, uh, invitation to pain and just suffering and life being miserable and tribulation and trial. It, it's a gospel. And the gospel means it's good news. And the good news is you can be pulled out of death and into life. You can be pulled out of darkness and into light. The Bible says that God has good plans for you. Plans you can't even imagine. God has good things in store for you. But, but listen, it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you make Jesus Lord of your life and you're just going to be walking on clouds from that day forward. The call of God is to walk by faith. And to walk by faith, it means you're going to face stuff. Because you don't need faith when, it, when you know everything. You need faith when you're in the middle of a season where you maybe don't know everything in your own mind, but what you do know is that God knows everything and you can place your trust in Him. That's walking by faith. It's faith in Him. But there will be times that God asks you to step out in faith to stand up for stuff that's not popular in the world, that may cost you a promotion, to stand up and stand out for Jesus. God's going to invite you to that. And so the question a disciple asks himself is not, what do I feel like doing? That's the question of the world. The question that Jesus invites you to live under is, what does my rabbi, what does Jesus want me to do? What is his word inviting me to do? The call of Jesus is a call to follow him with everything you have and die to sometimes some of the desires of this world. So the question is, are you living the call? Are you following after Jesus in that way? Or are you just kind of living like a convert? Uh, let me kind of help you understand the difference between the two of those because Listen, someday I'm going to stand before the Lord and I'm going to have to give an account for this church and how I preach the word of God to you. And I don't want any of you looking at me and saying, hey, he didn't tell me the truth. I, I don't want that. So I want to be clear with you this morning, all right? So, that, so let, me, let me give you 10 things that kind of differentiate between a convert and a disciple. Here's number one. A converts are believers who live like the world. Disciples are believers who live like Jesus. Converts are focused on their values, interests, worries, fears, priorities, and lifestyles. Disciples are focused on Jesus. Converts go to church. Disciples are the church. 
Converts are involved in the mission of Jesus. Disciples are committed to it. Converts cheer from the sidelines. Disciples are in the game. Converts hear the word of God. Disciples live it. Converts follow the rules. Disciples follow Jesus. Converts are all about believing. Disciples are all about being. Converts are comfortable. Disciples make sacrifices. Converts talk. Disciples make more disciples. Listen, I know I may be messing with some of you this morning. And uh, just so you know, I'm not sorry. I'm really not. Because I want to be clear with you because I, I really truly believe that there's people in the church today that think they're right with God and they are not. The Bible is clear. There's going to be people that stand before God and He says, depart from me. I never knew you. You don't want to be in that group. You don't want to think you got it figured out and you don't. So I want to be clear. I want to help you to see the truth because the truth can bring freedom to you. Amen? Disciple is someone who finds their identity, their purpose, their meaning in Jesus. Jesus is the center of their life and they are fully committed to following after Him with everything. We find, follow, and become fully formed like Jesus. So, maybe you find yourself here today and you're kind of going, I think I'm a convert. (laughs) Or maybe you're here today and you're going, I'm a disciple, but I want to keep growing in this. Whatever the case may be, I, I got seven points I want to give you today, seven things we see in the Word that help us to become these people who are becoming fully formed to look like Jesus. That's our goal. That's what we're going after. So here's number one. To be a disciple, number one, I must follow Jesus. To be a disciple, I must follow Jesus. John 12, 26, if you want to be my disciple, follow me, Jesus says, And you will go where I am going, and if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Here's where it starts. Wherever you find yourself today, the call to be a disciple starts with making the decision that only you can make, I'm going to follow after Jesus. I can't make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. You don't inherit it. You have to make the decision, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going after him. Notice where the verse starts. If, if means it's a choice. You have a choice in this. You have a choice. Are you really going to go after Jesus and follow him? And if you do, notice what it says. The father will shower his favor upon your life. See, the favor of God, we talked about this just a couple weeks ago. It's for the assignments of God, right? God wants to help you with this. But you have to make the choice. This is what we're doing. We're flying this flag of discipleship today, right? We're raising the flag. And as we raise it, now we are able to receive the power of God, the wind of God, to help us to move ahead to be the disciple God's called us to be and to help make other disciples. So it starts with a choice. To be a disciple, I must follow Jesus. Here's number two. To be a disciple, I must love Jesus supremely. Luke 14, 26, Jesus says, You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. You cannot follow me unless you love me more than you love your own life. Jesus is calling us to a radical kind of love. Now listen, Jesus isn't saying here that you can't love anyone else. You have to only love Jesus. In fact, you're going to see here in just a moment, uh, to be a disciple, you have to love other people, okay? What Jesus is talking about here is not 
uh, exclusivity, he's talking about supremacy. The call of God is to love him above all else, including yourself. This is what Sarah talked about last week. It's called worship. It's where we put God on the throne of our heart and we say, it doesn't matter how I feel, what I feel like doing, what I want, I'm declaring God is true and I'm going to follow him and live my life dedicated to obedience to what he's inviting me to do, following after him so that I can reflect his image in this world. To be a disciple... I must love Jesus supremely. Uh, if you've heard it once here at New Song, I've probably said this a thousand times, Jesus didn't die on the cross so he could hopefully break your top ten list. <laughs> he wants to be number one. Numero uno. To be a disciple, you have to choose to put him there daily. Daily. I'm going to put you on the throne of my heart. Here's number three. To be a disciple, I must love other disciples. John 13, 35. Jesus says, if, notice once again, it's an if, it's a choice. If you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciple. If you have love for one another, that word one another is all over the New Testament. We're, the, the New Testament church is about one anothering. It's about us loving those in the church, those that are in the family of God. Now, here's the tough part about this. You know, it's one thing to love Jesus. It's one thing to love God because it's like, you know, he died on the cross for my sins and he is love and he loves me perfectly and when I mess up, it's another thing to love people. I mean, you know, people can be tough to love sometimes, right? People in the church, people outside the church, it can be tough to love. We got different opinions. People have different opinions. Have you noticed that people have a different opinion than you sometimes? That's annoying, isn't it? Differing opinions. What in the world? People are raised in different homes, you know. They think things are funny that aren't funny. They think the things you think are funny aren't funny sometimes. Gets on my nerves. People can have annoying habits. People can talk when they should be quiet. I mean, people can be problems. And, and yet Jesus says, you can't, if you're going to be my disciple, you can't just love me. You've got to love my family. So what's the family? Well, the family, 1 Timothy 3.15, the family of God, look at this. This family is the church of the living God. The church is the family of God. And when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about the, the, the name, the entity. I'm talking about the people. Jesus says you need to love the people of the church if you're going to be my disciple. I'll meet people from time to time out in the lobby and different places, and they hear what I do, and they're like, man, I, I love God. I love Jesus. I just don't really care much for the church. And it's like, do you know how offensive that is to God? Like for real. You know what Jesus said? Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus laid down his life for the church. The Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. So think about this. Imagine that me and you go out to lunch and we're talking, we're hanging out, you know, maybe it's me, you, and your spouse. And I'm, I'm talking to you, but then I look over at your spouse, and I'm like, you know, I like, I like you. I don't really care much for your wife. I don't like her. Or your husband. I don't, you know, it's a little, I don't like, you, you're cool, not them. Listen, if you said that to me, you're like, I don't, I don't really care much for Sarah. We're going to have beef. Because me and that girl is one flesh. We are unified. You got a problem with her, you got a problem with me. We can have a problem together, right? 
The Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. So again, imagine this. Imagine you're out. Having, I'm having lunch with you, and I look at you, and I say, you know, I like you, but I don't know. I don't care much for your body. It's a little off-putting. If you could do something about that, that would be great. How many of you know that's a little offensive, isn't it? That's going to make you a bit uncomfortable. But this is what people are saying. I, I love Jesus, but I don't love, I don't love the church that he died to establish. It's not okay. And just so you know, those of you who don't like you know, the family of God, you're going to hate heaven. Because guess what? Heaven is not like you in isolation with Jesus. Like, that's not how it is. It's all the people of the family of God singing for eternity, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's the call. Okay, so better just get comfortable with the church. All right? You can't love Jesus and not love the family of God. In fact, look at this verse, 1 John 4.20. You know, sometimes you read a verse. And like you read it, and then you have to be like, okay, what is that saying? This is not one of those verses. Check this out. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. <laughs> no explanation needed. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love a God whom we have not seen. If you're going to be a disciple, you've got to love people in the family of God. And that's why we as a church want you to get on a serve team. That's why we as a church want you to get in a small group because God called us to community. He created us not to be alone. He created us to be connected. And listen, there's people that need what God's done in your life. They need to hear it from you. And there's people that you need to hear what God's done in their life. You need some iron sharpening iron relationships that you can build the kingdom through and with. So you got to love people in the family. Here's number four. To be a disciple, I must do what Jesus tells me to do. I must, I must do what Jesus tells me. John 8, 31. If you continue to obey. Notice continue. It's not a one-time decision. It's an ongoing continuation in obedience to my teaching. Teaching there is the word logos. It means the word of God. It's the Bible. It's talking about it. So if you continue to obey the Bible, you are truly my disciple. Then when you're doing that, you'll know the truth because you'll know the word of God is truth. You'll know what it says. Jesus is truth. You'll understand the heart of God and the heart of his son, Jesus. Then you'll know the truth and it'll set you free. Listen, freedom is on the other side of obedience and submission to the word of God. And, and some of you, you're, you're fighting for freedom, but you're not submitted to the word, and that's why you're not finding freedom. We, we want to be free, but we don't want to do things God's way. A disciple does what God says. We don't pick and choose. You know the, 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 the story where Jesus talks about building our house on, on the rock or building our house on the sand? See, what a lot of people want to do is they want to build their house on the sand. And what's sand? It's little rocks. So I'm going to pick and choose the parts that... I want to obey. And I'll mix in some other stuff sometimes. I, you know, but some of this stuff, it's, it's kind of old school. It's not old school, people. It's God's school. Yeah. And you need to sit under it, okay? Yeah. Because any other way is going to lead to bondage. Yeah. you got to be, a, a disciple submits to God. A disciple is not allowed to say, well, you know, but we love each other and maybe someday we'll get married. So, you know, it's okay for us to, to have sex outside of marriage. No. It's not. 
That's sin. It's wrong. You're not being a disciple. You're choosing to say, I'll put God on the throne in a lot of areas, but this area, I'm going to sit on the throne. Doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. To be a disciple, I got to obey what God's word tells me to do. I have to be striving to pursue God's heart and sit under him. And it's, it's there that I find the freedom to walk it out. Can I get an amen? amen? Here's number five. To be a disciple, I must serve others like Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in the weeks ahead, but I, I do want to give you this. Uh, Luke 14, 27. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me, this is Jesus talking, cannot be my disciple. And when Jesus says this, he's not just talking about you know, being able to bear under tough times, although that is a part of it. That's a part of walking by faith. There's going to be tough times. And are you willing to stick with God during the tough times? Are you willing to continue to walk by faith when you have prayed for your healing, but you haven't received it yet? Are you willing to, to continue to walk by faith when you're praying for that child that's away from God and they haven't yet come home? Are you willing to continue to bear under the tough stuff sometimes and continue to stand in faith? But, but, but let me also say this about this verse. When it says, take up his cross, think about what the cross is. The cross is so many things. But one of the things that the cross was, was the cross was an instrument that Jesus sacrificed his life on so that he could serve the needs of people. Jesus died on the cross, and through his sacrifice, he was able to serve us in our greatest area of need. What was our greatest area of need? Salvation, freedom from sin, being brought back into the family of God. So Jesus served us in that way. So when Jesus says here, take up your cross, here's what he's inviting you to. Are you willing to lay down your life are you willing to sacrifice sometimes your comfort, sometimes what you want to be willing to serve other people in their area of need? See, a disciple is not a me first person. A disciple says, God first, others first, not my will be done, but what, what's your will, Lord? I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And man, we got people that are doing this in our church. I, I, I heard recently about some people this summer that... You know, how many of you enjoy your vacation in the summer? How many of you cherish your vacation time? You have time off. I get to go on vacation. Nobody cares about this but me. You are a bunch of liars. We need to repent. You guys love your vacation, and you look forward to your vacations, right? We have people in our church this summer that they gave up some of their vacation to go to kids' camp. That's a sacrifice, my friends. Those people are going to have something gold on their mantle in heaven. God bless you. Thank you for that. But, but, but that's the kind of stuff. Like, are you willing to lay down maybe what you might want for the blessing and the benefit of somebody else? Are you willing to, to, to get up a little bit earlier and hold somebody else's baby so that that mama can come into church and hear from the Lord and not be concerned about her baby? Are you willing to stand out in a parking lot and wave at people and smile and make them feel welcome as they come in to the parking lot? Are you willing to, to go build houses in Haiti? Are you, will, are you willing to maybe lay down your life for somebody else? That's what it means to be a disciple. Number six, to be a disciple, I must purpose to grow and produce fruit that glorifies God. To be a disciple... I have to cultivate a life that's producing the kind of fruit God's called my life to produce. Now, think about this for a moment. Actually, let me read you this verse. John 15, 8. 
It says, this is my Father's glory. In other words, God gets glory through this. That you bear much fruit. Notice that word much. It doesn't just say that you bear fruit, but that your, your life would bear much fruit. There'd be an abundance of fruit in your life. Proving yourselves to be my disciples. Now, if you have, like, say, an apple tree or a lemon tree or an orange tree in your yard, it might produce some fruit if you don't ever do anything to it. But it's not going to be much fruit, right? Especially in Oklahoma. <laughs> if you want it to bear much fruit, you're going to have to be super intentional with that tree. Like, you're going to have to make sure the environment is cultivated for fruit to be produced. So, so what does a tree need? Well, a tree needs to be in the proper amount of sunlight. It needs to sit under the right amount of sun. Uh, a tree needs water to refresh it. A tree needs to be pruned. It needs the dead stuff cut off. It needs sometimes the living stuff cut back. Uh, a tree needs good soil that it can, it can take up. Um, a tree needs the right environment. Like if you plant a tree you know, next to a, like a power plant or something where it doesn't have good air, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you know, the, the amount of fruit that it can produce. In the same way, listen, as a Christian, if you're going to bear much fruit, you're going to have to create and cultivate an environment. You're going to be purposeful. You're going to have to sit under the sun, the, the S-O-N, Jesus, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to sit under that daily and allow yourself to be reminded of what Jesus did for you and what you can do because of what Jesus has done for you. You're going to have to be continually refreshed by the Word of God. The Bible talks about the Word being washed by the water of the Word of God. The, the, the Bible is water. It's life to us. It's life to those who find it. You're going to have to take the Word and, and look at your life sometimes, and maybe there's some dead things that need to be cut back. Maybe there's some weeds, some sin, some stuff, unforgiveness that needs to be pulled up and uprooted. Maybe there's good things that you just need to recognize God's calling you not to do everything, but to do the main thing. So we're going to cut back some of this growth so we can yield the most fruit. Maybe for you, part of this is you need to invite the Holy Spirit into your life on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit is a picture of, of the air of God in Scripture. You know, a, a tree is so interesting because trees, what do they do? They take in carbon dioxide and they, they put out oxygen, right? And oxygen produces life. See, through the Holy Spirit, we can take in the air of God and, and through it now we can produce life in the world that God can produce the kind of life He's calling us to produce. To be a disciple, I must purpose. Like, that, that stuff doesn't just happen. Like you, that, that stuff, all of that, sitting under the Word, like you, gotta, you, you have to make the decision to do it. But if you'll do it, then God can come along and He can help you produce the fruit that point people to Him, to who He is and what He's all about. Here's number seven. To be a disciple, I must pass on the good news of Jesus. Matthew 4.20, Jesus called out, Come, be my disciple. I want you to hear me this morning. This is a call Jesus is giving to you today. The rabbi said to this group of guys, come, be my disciple. And look at this. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets. Notice this. They left their nets at once and went with, went with him. Notice what they did. They responded immediately. They, they, they went at once. I hope for some of you, there's a going at once that's going to take place in you. You recognize, man, I've been going about this wrong. And today, it's, it's going to change. Today, I'm going to follow after Jesus. I'm going to be the disciple he's called me to be. I'm going to be the disciple, and I'm going to help make disciples in this world. 
Because God is inviting us to something amazing. He's inviting us to be people who are fishing for people. What, what do we do when we fish? We pull fish out of one environment and into another. Jesus is inviting you to be a person who fishes for people and pulls them out of darkness and into light, pulls them out of death and into life, pulls them out of bondage, bondage to sin, bondage to sickness, bondage to fear, into, into freedom. God's inviting us to be a part of the story. He's inviting us to be a key player in the story. He says to you today, follow me, follow me, follow me closely. Here, here's a question I think you need to wrestle with this week. Is there a chance that anyone will go to heaven because of you? Is there a chance that anyone, is there anybody in your life right now that is currently not on a trajectory that would lead them to heaven? And you being in their life could change that. Listen, if there's not, you're not fishing for people. You're not being a disciple. And, and this is why I love how God does this. Because uh, next week, I, I want to stir you up because next week I believe we have an incredible opportunity to invite people to step out and be disciples this week and invite people into an environment where they can come and see, right? They can have an encounter with Jesus and he can change everything. We've been given gospel good news and it's too good to keep to ourselves. Imagine with me something. Imagine if you had the cure to cancer. You had the cure to AIDS. You had the cure to coronavirus. Imagine if you knew the answer to that. Make it all go away and you just kept it to yourself. What would we say? We would say that's, that's criminal, right? That's not okay. Listen, you have the cure. You have the cure. Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. You have him. And we got to share him. We got to step into this call that Jesus has invited us to. We as a church are a church that's in the business of developing disciples. We want to help you become the disciple God's called you to be. And we want to help you help other people step into being the disciple God's called them to be. Would you bow your heads? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.